You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. Well, we are in the midst of a series, The Power of Prayer, Praise, and Thanksgiving. And I'm excited about it. I tell you, I, I have enjoyed already uh, the time we've had in prayer. We announced last week uh, that we're praying. We were praying for Ezekiel Gillespie, and this might be a good time for me to give you this update. I did have several folks ask, hey, what's, what's happening? What's going on? Um, and Ezekiel is, it, there's no change, which is good, Tim said. I talked to Tim, and he said, that's, that's good news for us because his temperature's down. He's just now going through, if you will, kind of the motions of getting this 21 days of this antibiotic to deal with the high white blood cell count that you know, alarmed them to the infection. Make sense? So I'm not, not super experienced at, at, at how to articulate it, but I do know this, that they do plan on getting out after 21 days on November the 2nd, and then just going back periodically uh, to check on things like the side effects of the antibiotic or, or if there's any other something going on that, you know, kind of surfaced at a later date. So we do need to continue to pray, but I do bring you good news, and I believe uh, some answered prayer there. So just, church, thank you, and continue to pray, and let's enjoy this time of prayer that we have together. You know, several, man, good night, probably, whew, man, thinking it's been probably close to 18 years ago now. Sometimes I say several, and I think it's been a couple of decades, but probably 15 to 20 years ago, I went to Brooklyn, New York, and visited a prayer meeting there. I went by myself, solo flight, you know, just booked a flight, went there, booked a hotel, and I went on a Tuesday night to Jim Cimbala's, uh, he's the pastor of this Brooklyn Tabernacle Church. I went in that church, and uh, to make a long story short, I, I, I sat and began to experience maybe for the first time, just an authentic spirit-led prayer meeting. It was, it was just what I needed. It was why God had laid that on my heart to go there. Uh, I didn't know all that was going to take place. I was there. Uh, randomly, you know, the pastor gets up and he just says, hey, I just, I know this is a little different, but he said, if you're a guest, would you stand? And so all the guests stood. I was one of the guests. I was like, oh, man, good night. You know, I was trying to incognito, not get noticed. I stand there's probably 5,000 people there uh, in the building. It was packed, and that's what they say. It's seated, so in between four and five, I'm sure. And I, there was quite a few guests, and we all stood. And then he said, hey, listen, if you're a member of our church, would you just, uh, just, just stand next to that guest and ask them to give you some prayer requests? And so this African-American lady stood next to me, and she said, hey, she said, sir, my pastor wants me to take some prayer requests. And so she, I gave her 10 prayer requests. And, and then after she did that, and all of us did that, he just said, would you, I know this may seem strange, you don't have to do it, but if you're okay with it, step into the aisle, and if you're a member of our church, would you just gather around and pray over these new members, these uh, guests, and, and what they're going through? It was a powerful moment in my life. I, I, I've really never been the same since I came home. We started a pastor's prayer team. We incorporated so much prayer into our church family. I mean, it was a very powerful, inspirational moment. I guess I realized how much prayer was kind of lacking in our, in our congregation. But like almost nothing else in the Christian life, it seems that prayer is the most difficult discipline to continue to be faithful to. More than church attendance, more than Bible reading, more than volunteering or serving in your local church, more than maybe even reading your Bible or scripture memorization, 
arguably more than any of those things, it's tough to keep prayer on the, at the focal point of your Christian life. It just really is. I mean, I, I, we've had great seasons of prayer, and I've been very transparent. We'll continue to be throughout this series. We've had great se- seasons of prayer in our church and, 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 and times where I feel like we were, and maybe your prayer life's like this too, where, man, you just are praying uh, for longer periods of time, more often, and it's, uh, it's, it's kind of a higher priority in your life. And then maybe, maybe things get better. Uh, maybe uh, things get busy, right? Can't think of any more B's, better, busy. And, uh, and, and things just kind of change. And all of a sudden, it, it's, it's kind of coming off the priority list, or at least the top of the priority list. And maybe you're like that. I know that that's the way it has been in my life. And as we approach this end this year of discipleship and approach this year of prayer, and as we preach this message in this series of messages on the power of prayer, I believe it's, it's, it's fitting that, that we share some ways to strengthen our prayer lives as we begin to emphasize this, as we begin to potentially move into some moments that are spirit-led and scripture-fed and worship-based and prayer times in our services that you know, I'm going to let you in on a secret. You ready for this? Jordan prayed a very sincere prayer after the offering. Beautiful. Does it every service. But can I confess something to you? I was moving the pulpit, getting things ready. It's called a transition prayer behind closed doors. Doesn't take away from the sincerity of a prayer. It just means we kind of put prayer sometimes at the exact place every service so that we can move on to the next thing. We're not going to stop doing that. It's not sacrilegious or blasphemous to do. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that at all. But I am saying that oftentimes in our churches, that's the only time we pray. And so what I'm doing is coming to a place where I, I'm not even accusing us of anything like that, or me or the elders or, or, or our, 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 our uh, order of service team. Simply I'm saying, and Jordan and I have talked about this recently, what would it look like if prayer were more prominent in our services? What might it look like if, if prayer was, was, was a more normal part, even at times that wasn't planned in our service? So I've asked Jordan to stick with me on the platform today at the piano, and, and, and the Lord has led me to preach a message on these ways to strengthen our prayer life, but also to, to have some prayer time in the midst of all this. My desire is to strengthen your and mine prayer life. My desire is that we might light a fire, a flame underneath our prayer lives that would bring us to a place of greater fervency and, and, and greater passion and greater faith inside of our prayer lives. With that said, I would ask you to turn to Matthew chapter 26. Our text verse for, uh, or actually the first verse we're going to dive into in this series. Before we read that, can I read you some prayer quotes? Corey Ted Boom said this. Is prayer your steering wheel or is prayer your spare tire? Wow. Abraham Lincoln said, I've been driven many times upon my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. Samuel Chadwick said, The one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, and prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil. He mocks at our wisdom. But the devil trembles 
when we pray. R.A. Torrey said, we're, we're just too busy to pray, which means we're too busy to have power. We have a great deal of activity, but we accomplish little. We have many services, but few conversions. We have much machinery, but few results. Charles Allen said that prayer is not a means by which I seek to control God. It's a means of putting myself in a position where God can control me. Here in Matthew 26, we come to the betrayal of Jesus and the arrest of Jesus. But before we come to the betrayal and before we come to the the arrest of Jesus, we find that Jesus is in the garden and he is praying. Follow along with me in verse 36, that Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. He said to them, my soul is, my soul is, is, is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, Jesus fell on his face and he prayed. He said, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to his disciples and he found them sleeping. He says to Peter, so could could you not watch with me one hour? Here it is. Here it is, church. Listen. Underline this. Mark this. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh, it's so weak. Again, for the second time, he went and prayed, and he said, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. Again, he came and He found them sleeping. Their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time. And he said the same words again. And then he came back to his disciples and said to them, Sleep, take your rest later on. See the hours at hand. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. And finally he said, Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. I want you to note this in your notes. Pray for victory and start going in a different direction. Pray for victory and start going in a different direction. Pay close attention again, if you would, to verse 39, where Jesus said as he prayed, Father, if it be possible, let this cup, this this cup is the symbol of, of Christ suffering for our sins. He says, let this cup pass from me, nevertheless, not as I will, but as as thou will. It's as if Jesus is saying, Father, if, if there is another way, oh, great, but, but, but if not, so much here, uh, so much to talk about, so much to learn about this, and not enough time in, in one message, uh, prayerful submission of Jesus here, teaching us how to pray that way. What's interesting is that's not the best part of the prayer. Matthew was not the best part of the prayer. The best part of the prayer is found in John chapter 18. 
Oftentimes in the Gospels, you find the same account in a different place in the Gospels, and we'll find some additional information that can be so helpful. So here is the rest of the prayer. The disciples were sleeping. We read about that, right? Jesus was praying. He went back to check on the disciples. The soldiers came onto the scene, and Peter wakes up from his slumber, pulls out his sword, and does what? Chops the ear off of that servant, that Roman soldier, right? A violent scene takes place in the midst of all of this. And then Jesus says, Peter, put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? The best part of the prayer is not the Matthew part. The best part is not, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but but yours be done. The best part is that here, Jesus is, is getting victory over temptation. He says, shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? And you and I face temptation often. Whether it's a temptation to succumb or give in to the pressures of life, the burdens of life that sometimes seem to be too heavy to bear. Whether it be a temptation uh, from a lustful viewpoint, some some kind of sexual temptation that, that we've struggled with. Whether it be despair or fear or unforgiveness or just coveting stuff, wanting something else, wanting a better car, wanting a better house, whatever it may be. Maybe social status, whatever you're struggling with. I've struggled. In fact, I, I struggled with something recently that I honestly thought I'd had the victory over. You ever, you ever had that? Where you just feel like, man, I am so good with this. I, it's been forever since I've struggled with this. But I found myself this past week struggling with it. Again, something I really thought I had the victory over. And in that moment, I'm, I recalled this, this verse, Matthew 26. And, and upon studying this verse, it reminded me of how often in overcoming this particular temptation, I was reminded of the importance to just stop and pray. Quote scripture. Let this mind be in me, which is also in you, God. Let me think the way that you want me to think about this or that. Oftentimes, I, I have found myself in those moments of temptation on my knees, in a closet, before God, praying for victory. God, I don't want to think this way. God, I, I, I want to overcome this. I need your help. Obviously, I can't do it on my own. I've struggled. I've tried. God, I need you. Some of the temptation sources that I think everyone would agree, the top three would be, first of all, the world. Anybody ever heard from the world, that loud voice that is always crying out, this is better, try this. Oh yeah, yeah, run faster towards this. And you know what, I don't know why they're telling you that. This is better. Or maybe the flesh. The flesh representing the old patterns of of sin in our lives, old patterns of behavior, things that we used to do in our past, but they've crept back in. And then the devil, more sudden, more subtle is his attack. Kind of comes out of nowhere. It's kind of like, what in, where did that, whoa, where did, I didn't see that one coming. Because that's what he is. He's subtle, he's sly, he's quick. He's our adversary. 
the enemy may be tempting you, even right now, even this week. Maybe you would say with me, hey, I get it. First Peter 5, 8, the devil is a roaring lion. And he's, he's walking about, he's prowling about, seeking whom he may devour. Has anyone ever been in a closed room with a roaring lion? It's real, isn't it? And the devil is after all of us. And so I'm going to encourage you this morning to join me in being transparent as a church family. And I'm going to ask Jeremy to come and lead us in prayer. And if you'll join me in saying, you know what? Pastor, I, 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 I've struggled with some temptation re- recently. We're not confessing what kind of temptation right now at this moment. We're just saying, hey, I've been tempted. Tempted to do something, buy something, think something. Temptation has been real in my life, and I struggle with it from time to time. Would you join me by the uplifted hand if you would say, I've struggled with temptation in my life at different times, even maybe recently. Wow, that's a lot, if not everyone. Jeremy, would you come and... I've got some scriptures on the screen, and Jeremy may choose to pray through some of those scriptures as we pray for victory over the temptation. It's real, isn't it? But the power of prayer is real. And Jesus said, Jeremy, watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation, or that you enter not into temptation. Let's pray, church. As we bow here in your presence, we come before you, Lord God, as a body in Christ, saved by the Lord Jesus. And we enter into your presence, Father, because of Christ and his blood. And we thank you, Lord God, that in in this moment, Lord, we, by lifted hand and acknowledging, Lord, the question of temptation, We confess to you, Lord God, that these are very real and very present battles in our lives. All of us, Lord God, have had things even come to mind this morning of different areas, Lord God, where there may have been defeat and where there needs to be victory. We thank you, Lord God, by the grace that you allow us to be here in your presence. Thank you for forgiveness of sin and thank you, Lord God, for conviction that we can come before you in this manner. Heavenly Father, we believe the scripture as it says in 1 John 4 that you tell us that you are of God, little children, and have overcome them. For greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. We believe that today, Lord God, in the midst of our battle and our temptations. You are greater, and your grace is greater than all our sin. Father, we believe you, Lord, in the scripture as you declared and tell us, Lord, in James 4 to submit ourselves to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We believe that, Lord, even now as we say this as a congregation in our, in our hearts by faith. And we believe that to be the victory, Lord, in our submission to you, that Satan will flee when we are submitting and resisting. Father, right now, in Jesus' name, we believe as we all face temptations, that the Bible does teach us in 1 Corinthians 10 that no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we are able, but with the temptation will make a way of escape that we may be able to bear it. Lord, today we believe that, 
And we understand the lies of, the, of, of Satan and the world. And we see these things that are in our lives. And we right now in your presence, Father, we say you are good and your mercy endures forever. And we believe you for the victory and the release. And I pray today that all of us, Lord, there be any that are bound and needing to be released and, and declared, Lord, free in this way. That today we would submit ourselves to Scripture. We would believe your word over our feelings and your promises over our defeats. And that you would have the victory. And Jesus, we will give you the glory because of that. Set your people free in this way today. And may we all praise your name because of that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. One down, four to go. Matthew 21. Look there with me on the screen or in your Bibles. Either way, Matthew 21. Oh, this is amazing. It just gets better. Look at this. And whatever, whatever you ask in prayer you will receive. Well, if it stopped there, it, 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 it might be a little less challenging. <laughs> but he says here, if you have faith. Let, let me read that again. Whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. I want you to notice that word, whatever. Because at first it just sort of seems like God's a vending machine, Right? I mean, just whatever. I can just ask whatever. Does it really mean whatever? Does that mean there is absolutely nothing that I, 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 does it mean absolutely anything I can ask for? Well, before we answer that question, let's, let's recognize the condition for which whatever is, is there for. Whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. So, number two, pray in faith and start expecting a different result. Pray in faith. Faith in what? That's the big question. If I'm going to pray in faith, what do I pray in faith for? Well, you pray in faith that there is two, only one God, one true and living God who wrote a book full of promises, who's never made a mistake. So first of all, faith in the one true God of the Bible. Secondly, confidence in God's wisdom and God's goodness. You know, growing up, there was a, a, a man, in fact, he is Dave and Sonia's son-in-law, Luke Bishop's dad. His name's John Bishop, and he used to say often, he, he wrote a little song about it. When I was a little teenager, I remember hearing it, and I've still remembered it often. Some of you remember him coming here and saying this, God is always good, and God is always right. God is always good, and God is always right. He would say it over and over again. It stuck with me that God is always good, and God is always right. We can trust him. So we pray in faith, in confidence that God is always good. God is all wise. He's never made a mistake. There is absolutely nothing that happens to us that he didn't know about first or allowed to happen in our lives. And then thirdly, faith in God's timing. This is so critical. This is the one that I think affects all of us. Because I think the thing that I struggle with the most, maybe you do too, is just the timing of God's, when is God going to answer this prayer? Do I keep on praying? Do I stop praying? How do I know? If, if I believe this is according to his will, I mean, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So it only makes sense that God would want everyone to be saved. And if I'm praying for someone to get saved, but it's been 10 years, should I stop? God, I want to conceive a child. 
It's been a long time, God. God, I want to conceive a child. But God, I want to do it in your timing. God, I, I want a partner for life. I just want to date and, and get engaged and get married. All my friends are. But God, I submit to your timing. God, I wish I could do better financially. I just wish I had more money to, not just to help my family and, 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 and provide a little more solid situation. But God, I want to give more. I want to, I'd like to get more boxes than maybe just one. Or God, I'd love that. I'd love to have a, a little more stable career. But God, I trust your timing. Whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. One of the greatest places to go in Scripture to understand faith and some, and some of the complexities of it is Hebrews chapter 11. And I want to take you just for a moment there quickly to Hebrews chapter 11 as we pray in faith in just a moment and start expecting a different result. Let me show you something that will help your faith. Are you ready for this? Look at verse 1. We're very familiar with this. Sometimes it's memorized. It's a, a popular scripture to memorize about faith. It's the substance of things hoped for or the assurance of things hoped for. I've memorized it as the substance out of the King James. But here in the translation I'm using this morning, the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by, for by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. Verse 4, by faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. Verse 5, by faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. By faith in verse 6, it's impossible to please him. Verse 7, by faith Noah was warned by God concerning events as yet unseen. Verse 8, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called out to go to a place. Verse 9, by faith he went to live in that land of promise. Verse 10, he was looking forward to the city that was found, had foundations, whose designer and whose builder was God. Verse 11, by faith Sarah herself received power to conceive. You see the theme here? By faith, by faith, by faith, all of these people. But all of this for verse 13, the critical, the key verse for this morning in this text that we're studying, and that is this. All these died, or these all died in faith. Pay attention to the next statement. Not having received the things promised. These things were according to the will of God. But while they were living, did they not see them or did they see them? They, they, they clearly did not see them. But having seen them and greeted them from afar... That word greeted is, uh, some translations have the word welcomed or embraced from afar. You think about someone who you are welcoming as they come towards you. Maybe you've not yet embraced them, but they're coming. You, you have believed to see that this is going to take place. And so this morning, I want you to take a moment right now in this service, wherever you're sitting, and I want you to think about something in your mind right now that you've been praying about for a long time. It's a prayer concern. You've been bringing it to God for a long, long time. Think about it. Get it. I know there's some things I've been praying about. My wife and I have been praying about for a long time. Not sure why it hasn't happened yet. We're waiting trying to have faith in the things we mentioned earlier, something you've been praying about. Have you got it yet? 
something you've been wondering, is God ever going to answer this prayer? I want you to verbalize this. Lord, by faith, by faith I can see it. By faith. God, by faith I choose to believe to see that God, in your timing, God, when when you're ready, however you decide to do it, by faith, God, I believe to see. I want to encourage you to practice that, verbalize that often in your prayer life about things that you are believing God for, that you are convinced or according to his will, you've got scripture, you, you know this is what God wants. It just hasn't happened yet. And as we learn to pray in faith and expect a different result, I believe God's going to do some great things. Amen? And so I'd like to ask at this time if I could invite... Butch, to come and pray. Butch, Brother Butch, one of our elders. Butch, you had a prodigal that came home recently, amen? You've been very vocal about that. I can only imagine you had to see that in your mind's eye. See Garrett pulling up in the parking lot, you know? I mean, when when he was in jail, when he was running the streets, but you were praying. And it was hard to pray and believe. When's this going to happen? But I can only, I'm just picturing Butch seeing Garrett coming up clean cut recently did the wedding okay did you do the wedding oh man wow garrett is beautiful bride they were in church last sunday i shook i talked to garrett for a long time and i said garrett man i'm so proud of you butch i think you have some testimony to be able to pray in faith this morning for our church family would you do that for us we got a lot of things on our hearts father we come to you today thankful for prayer as our pastor just preached to us, Lord, we got to pray believing. There's no doubt in my mind that faith and prayer go together. And yet, even as a pastor, as I prayed for my own son for years, there were times I quit believing. I was praying, but I didn't even believe it myself. Lord, maybe there's someone here that's been praying for something for a long time and they've quit believing. God, help us to pray believing. It makes all the difference. And then God, give us patience in our prayer life. God, in the parable of the unjust judge, you teach us to be relentless in our prayer life, to never quit, to keep believing and keep praying. Even when it seems like you're not working, God, it doesn't mean you're not working. So God, give us patience because your timing is usually different than ours. And then, God, help us to also, when we pray, to learn to pray for your will. Your will is usually different as well. God, I've learned to not just pray for my needs, but to pray for your desires for me. God, help our desires to match up with your desires for our life. I pray for everyone here today, God, and their needs and their need of faith in their prayer life. God, help us to pray believing. God, we know this. You've never made a mistake, and we can trust you. God, give us faith today. We'll give you all the glory. You are so worthy. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Butch. Well, Pastor, I I don't mind hearing you pray. I don't mind hearing Butch pray. He's an elder. Pastor, I I don't mind hearing Jeremy pray. I mean, good night. 
He's a pastor. He's, he's an elder. But pastor, I don't even know what to pray. I, I just don't know. I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to pray. Sometimes, Pastor, I just I get through a few words or a few sentences, and I plan on praying for a few moments, and then 30 seconds later, I'm just, I'm, I don't know, Pastor, I'm just I'm speechless. Let me give you number three. Pray in silence and start experiencing a deeper intimacy. Now, th- this is incredible. In fact, it ought to be just incredible as soon as I say these words, Romans chapter 8. Amen? If you got any little bit of a clue on Romans 8, it's, it's one of the greatest. It, it, it is a classic scripture. But I want you to notice with me this incredible passage in Romans 8, beginning in verse 26, as we consider this idea of praying in silence to experience a deeper intimacy with God. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Now, just for a moment, let's, let's stop there and let's admit we're weak. I'm weak sometimes. Our weakness meaning what? Our weakness meaning not just weak in the flesh, no question about it. We're talking about these, the, the, the earth in, in verses previous to this verse speaks about the, the earth is, is groaning and, and, and suffering and, and crying out in travail as we long for the day when we know we'll get that glorified body and we'll be new before Christ. Our, our weakness, yes, is the flesh, but here our weakness specifically is drawn to this idea that we don't know what to pray just don't know what to pray as we ought I I don't know how many of you have come to that place I know at church I've addressed different reasons why we don't know how to pray at different times for instance it could be a method problem like we just need a little help on organizing our prayer life and 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 I've done that I've we used to have church on Wednesday night here a lot and we would take those Wednesday nights to teach things and I I miss that sometimes, I do, but I'm glad we have these small groups where this kind of teaching is going on. But I remember teaching uh, a, a method of prayer uh, to start with maybe adoration and then confession and, and supplication. And, and we would teach these different ways. And maybe it is. Maybe it's just I need help. It could be that, Pastor, it's just my, my problem is not a method problem. It's a mountain problem. It's just so big. And, and honestly, Pastor, I don't know where to start. I don't even know how to verbalize it. I, to be honest, sometimes I feel that way. I, you know, the, the, my wife had a little tough week this week. She's had a little flare-up, and so we've been kind of praying her through it. And, and I just told God, whenever I wake up, I want to pray. But, honey, I'm going to confess, I, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, it's been 30 years that we've been dealing with the sickness, and it, keep, it goes away, it comes back, goes away, it comes back. So it's tough. And so I practiced last night. When I woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning, I practiced last night praying in silence. I didn't know what to pray. I didn't know what to say. I didn't want to just be on repeat mode. For this. I just said, God, I don't know what you're trying to do. She feels the same way. We're not really sure what God is doing. We just know this, that when I'm not praying, the Holy Spirit is praying for me. I know that. And I don't know what to say sometimes. Sometimes it's a mountain problem. It's just so big. It's so, where do I start? I don't even know if I, I, is this really what God wants? Does God have another plan? I don't know what God wants. Could be a direction problem. I'm just not sure what direction I need to go. When you're at that place, the Spirit intercedes for you when you're there. Look at it, verse 27. He who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit 
Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints. And this is even better. According to the will of God. Because when you do not know what God wants, the Holy Spirit does. And the Holy Spirit is is just as real and just as a part of the Trinity as God the Son and God the Father. Amen. So when I'm stumped, when I'm stuck, and when I'm silent, my prayer has not ceased. Because the Holy Spirit is praying for me. You ever been stumped? You ever been stuck? You ever, you ever just been to a place where I just don't know what to say? Well, you have not stopped praying. When I've stopped praying because I don't know what to pray, my prayer time isn't over because the Holy Spirit of God continues according to the will of God. Wow. Wow. That's life-changing. That's amazing to me. With groanings too deep to be uttered. When, when I'm there, when I'm, when I'm groaning, it's too deep for words. Have you ever been in that place where you don't know what to pray, but you're just being faithful? And isn't it great to know that my prayer life isn't wrapped up in my ability to be able to articulate things right to God? Isn't it great that in heaven God's not saying, well, I would answer his prayer if he would just say it right. He's not using big enough words. He's just not saying it right. So as soon as he says it right, I'll answer it. Aren't you glad that My prayer life isn't wrapped up in my ability to articulate things. Ever been intimidated by prayers that just seem to be so well articulated that you feel like, oh, no. I didn't know with three words he prayed, what they meant when he prayed. That that was so big. And and he he prayed like he had a steeple stuck in his throat. And so now i got to pray with a different voice. Oh, God. (laughs) And so we're intimidated. So we don't know what to say. Here's my point. My point is this. When you don't know what to pray. You're still praying. The Holy Spirit is praying for you. Wow. So let's do that. Might be a little awkward. I don't know. Let's all bow for prayer right now. Let's, just for a moment, could we just dim the lights? And why don't we go to that thing right now? Honey, let's go to that thing right now that's just... We don't know what to pray. It's just the groanings. The, the groanings are just too deep for words. And let's just stop right now and let the Holy Spirit pray for us, for you.
Spirit of the living God, would you fall fresh on us today? Holy Spirit of God, we only want to hear your voice and we're hanging on every word. Thank you so much for interceding for us when we just don't have the words we don't know what to say how to pray what your will is thank you for going to the father for us according to his will it's amazing it's incredible I'm not super smart with whatever, whatever smart I have, I, I wrap my mind around that and say, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. John 14, 13. This is the upper room discourse. John 14 is good, isn't it? John 14, 1, right? Let not your hearts be troubled. You could finish it, right? Believe in God, believe also in me, in my Father's house, many mansions. Hey, what about John 14, 6? I am the way, the truth, and the what? And the life. But John 14, 13 is our prayer verse for, for our, the fourth way we're going to strengthen our prayer lives. And John 14, 13 says, whatever you ask in my name. That I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And so, number four, pray in Jesus' name and start embracing a deeper purpose. Pray in Jesus' name and start embracing a deeper purpose because what a beautiful name it is, what a wonderful name it is, what a powerful name it is. I love John 14, 12 because it's, I think it's super relevant. Every verse is relevant, but it's always relevant to the verse next after that verse, which we've already read. But I love this. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. Jesus said this. And greater works than these will he do because I go to the Father. When we pray in Jesus' name, we are praying to see greater works done in the lives of people. Greater works done in our church, greater works done in our city. Did you know that Jesus said we could do greater works if we'll pray in his name? What a name it is. I grew up as a young teenager. I remember one of the first songs I heard when I got saved was a Bill Gaither song. I think it's Bill Gaither. Jesus, 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 there's just something about that name. I used to sing often in the songbook at our old church. Jesus is the sweetest name I know. He's just the same as his lovely name. I love it. And we sing today so many worship songs that talk about the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. And so this morning, you know, I I don't want the word of God to rob me of, of any truth. And I realize there's a lot of wildfire out there about praying in Jesus' name. But I bring to you today that there is absolutely power in the name of Jesus. And when we pray in his name, greater works can be done. I was thinking about Adrian Rogers. 
I, uh, I went to hear him speak and for the first time back in like 2002. He died in 2004. His body was riddled with cancer at that time. Great preacher of, uh, in Memphis, Tennessee. And the first time I heard him pray, he was very weak. He, was, he had lost a lot of weight. His face was thin. Boy, could he pray. And I noticed that every time I heard this old man pray, he would pray like this. And he, he, at the end of his prayer and throughout his prayer, he would pray, and we pray in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. If you've ever heard me pray and end my prayer like that, I just told you kind of where it came from. I learned that. Because I think sometimes I just kind of, that was a tag. It was kind of like this, this idea of just, you know, the transition thought. I mean, just, hey, in Jesus' name, amen. And it's almost as if we say amen louder than we say Jesus. And it becomes this sort of this way to end the prayer. It's just kind of traditional, and this is what we do. But I want you to know that when you think about the name of Jesus, when you understand that in that name there is healing and power and there is strength and there is authority in that name, and that's, that changes our prayer life. When we pray in Jesus' name, I don't know how many of you read Tim Gillespie's post, but he, he put a post. I thought it was just brilliant. It was beautiful. I'm going to read you a little bit of it. I've got a purpose in it. He said, as some of you are aware, Diana and I are currently at Children's Hospital in Little Rock with our newborn, Ezekiel. Long story short, he has been here since Tuesday night, and he will continue to be here until November the 2nd. After multiple lumbar punctures, cultures grown, tests run, they finally came to us with an answer, which was... We don't know why he's sick. For those of you that know me, you know that an answer like that is basically my nightmare. We're trying to trust that God is in control and that he has a plan. You see, his full name is Ezekiel James Gillespie. It's interesting. He went to his son's name. He took a moment to tell us what the name meant. He said that the name means God will strengthen. He said, I wasn't actually sure that how that was going to apply in his life when we chose the name, but I know now. God will strengthen his child. He'll strengthen our family. He'll strengthen my faith. And I believe that God will use this situation as the foundation of the life of a man whom God will use to strengthen people around him. Now, I, I, I love that post. And I, was, I could tell God was using these things in Tim's life. And it was inspirational to me. But I thought, how much more? And oftentimes when I compare anything to Jesus, that's where I go. How much more? How much more? <laughs> I mean, thank God for that name that means strength in God of that application, but how much more? We don't pray in anyone's name but in Jesus' name because that's where the authority is. That's where the power is. And we pray in his name according to his will. We submit to his will. Not my will, but thine be done. And I've asked Kevin Conner to come and pray this morning about the name of Jesus. Again, we have some scriptures on the screen And I'm encouraging our church to learn how to pray through Scripture this morning. And so would you join me, church, as we think about the name of Jesus and the greater works that he promised we could do in that name. Our Heavenly Father, hallowed be your name. I pray, Father, that might open our eyes that we might see the glory and wonder of what that name means please make your name holy in our eyes 
that we might be changed and we might, that your character might be imprinted upon us, Father, as we see the, the magnitude of your love, the magnitude of your holiness, the magnitude of your righteousness. I pray that <clears throat> your name might be high and lifted up, not only in our own sight, but Father, then as we become more like you, may others see who you are and what your character is in us that they may be changed, dear, dear Jesus. I pray for our church, and I pray that your Holy Spirit would fall upon us. Jesus said in Luke 11 that if we who are evil give good gifts to our children, how much more will you give the Holy Spirit to us? So on the authority of Jesus' name and what he promised, Father, I pray that your Spirit would fall upon me personally, that your Spirit would fall upon this church that our eyes may be opened as you opened Moses' eyes and saw a little bit of your glory and wonder. As you opened Isaiah's eyes and his vision and how he saw the magnitude of your glory and your holiness and realized what your name really meant. How it changed him. I pray that you would change us in the same way. And then Jesus, I pray that as we change and become more like you and we represent your name better, I pray, Father, that this world around us may see the holiness of your name. And they may, they may be attracted to you as you're high and lifted up. I pray that they would be attracted to you and that we would see souls saved like we've never seen before. Because we know that's your will. So once again, in the name of Jesus, we pray for us to be changed. That you might use us to change the world around us. We ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Man, I've enjoyed this, haven't you? I've enjoyed this. Thank you, Kevin. Whew. Man, wow, what an awesome, what an awesome thing it is to pray together as a church family and throughout this service. Number five, are you ready? Matthew, again, in closing, verse 37 of Matthew 9. Jesus is speaking. Jesus is talking about prayer. And Jesus says this about prayer. He says, the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. It sounds like a problem. I mean, it's very clear. Don't you think it's very clear that there are, there's more harvest than there is laborers? Everybody see that? No doubt. There's more harvest than there are laborers. There's more to do than there are people to, to do these things. Of course, in the name of Jesus and according to the will of God. I mean, all of these things kind of attach themselves to the other. But notice this next verse. Here's what Jesus says to do. Yes, the harvest is plentiful. And yes, there are just a few laborers. But pray. Pray that the Lord of the harvest. Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. My mind goes back to the missions conference and our missions pastor Scott up here and if you were here that night that he he got emotional he got he, he, his heart was broken for us that we might be laborers whether it's across the street or across the world that we might go and he prayed oh God would you and, and today I'm saying we need to pray for laborers you say pastor are you telling me that God would be willing to do more if more would be willing to do more? <laughs> yes. 
In fact, the shortage is not God's willingness to do more. The shortage is labors. That's the shortage. And I have a feeling if we would just pray for each other and pray for ourselves, we could start with this. God, I pray for more time. What am I spending my time on, God? God, I pray for more time with friends and family and neighbors. And God, I I pray for some more time to be able to maybe give to your kingdom work. God, I want to be a laborer. But I don't know how. And I don't know how to rearrange my schedule. And life is so busy, God. But I'm praying. I'm praying for labors. You know what I've often found? When I'm praying for something, really it's what God wants me to do. But it's a good place to start. Pray for labors. I love what Jesus said in John 4, 35. Do you not say, there are yet four months, then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are right or ready to harvest. You know what I found out about prayer? This is God's heart. And when you take care of what's on God's heart, he will take care of what's on your heart. And this morning, on the heart of God is the world. The world that needs labors to go into the harvest. Let's pray, shall we? Father, God, we pray right now that you might send forth laborers into the harvest. Father, the harvest of Hot Springs, Arkansas. This city needs Jesus. And God, we pray that you might start right here in this congregation at 1045. Lord, begin with me and us. God, I pray that you'd give us time, time to maybe look at our schedules and say, where could I carve out 30 minutes to witness this week? Where could I carve out a few moments to volunteer for some kingdom responsibility? God, I need you to help me to see what you would have me to do when it comes to laboring in your harvest because, God, it's obvious There's more to do. Just the simple fact, Father, that you have not come back yet means there's more to do. There's more that need to hear. God, I'm grateful today that we can give and take these little shoe boxes. Lord, something that seems so insignificant, but God, that you can use as we take the time to shop this week and fill these boxes and and give $9 to send them out across the world. Father, it's going to be so worth it. God, I have a feeling when we do see you face to face one day in heaven that it's not going to be how strong our our financial portfolio was or how strong our golf game was or how strong, God, our greatest hobbies were. But Father... Lord, I would imagine you'd be concerned more with what we spent our time doing to build up the kingdom. So, Father, we need to consider this morning, what is it that you're going to do in this church to send out laborers into Garland County, into Arkansas, into America, and to the uttermost parts of the world? Father, send me, send us. I love you. And I thank you in Jesus' name.
In just a moment, we're going to stand. And when we do, we're just going to continue this response. You come as you feel led. If you want to grab a box, you're welcome to do that. If you want to pray, if you want to just spend some more time over some of these things, you take your time and just respond. Shall we stand together? Let's worship and let's pray.